So this week's episode is a bit of a long one, but I think that it is something that is needed, especially in the profession of medicine. So if you are a doctor, aspiring to be a doctor, or you know someone who is or is aspiring to be a doctor, please share this podcast with them, share this episode with them, and I'm sure that they will learn a thing or two. Thank you. Good day, everyone, and welcome to yet another exciting episode of The Tea Junction. On today's episode, I have with me one of my good friends. She is a colleague as well. We studied medicine together, and she's doing great things in the medical field. Welcome, Dr. Mishka Carson. Hi, Mishka. Hi, Tami. Thank you so much for that introduction. (laughs) I am so excited to be here. Um, honestly, when you asked me, I just felt so privileged and <laughs> also so excited that you too were doing something so cool and something out of the norm and yeah. not medicine related. Exactly. That's the whole point because medicine can pretty much engulf your whole life. So the whole idea was to just branch away from medicine and do something exciting. Thank you for joining me. Great. Awesome. So uh, although I did a quick intro, you can introduce yourself to the (laughs) listeners. So to me and uh, your listeners at the T-Junction, love the name, by the way. Thank Um, you. I am Mishka Carson. I am a small town girl wanting to change the world, essentially. Um, (laughs) So I uh, studied medicine. I'll actually tell you a bit about that a little bit later, maybe, um, of my process getting in. Uh, Wasn't just clear cut and um, did my internship and I'm now doing my community service um, and in rural health at the moment. And then to add to that, I am um, the founder of HEPI, which is the healthcare empowerment program for people like you and me, which is essentially um, an initiative where I try to improve healthcare systems by starting with the basics, where I try to empower healthcare workers, healthcare facilities, and patients in the hope of creating a more functional healthcare system. That's that's very amazing because when I saw your initiative on Instagram I watch your videos and I was just like this is brilliant because sometimes we think that we need to do big things to make big changes but at other at most of the time actually it's those little things that you do that make a difference and that last and that stick for long so I'm really glad that you started the initiative. Thanks to me it's actually you're so right because thinking and the processes I went through and I'm sure you know as well this healthcare system that we work in is very broken quite frankly very very broken yeah and to start to think that you have to change everything and make big changes is very very daunting and I think is a lot of the time why many doctors leave the country um Mm. so starting with small things is very manageable um, yeah and is quite rewarding to both you and those you're helping very true very true so you alluded to it earlier on about your journey into medical school can you just go a bit deeper for us with regards to that problem so um I think we all know that 
getting into medicine is tough. <laughs> um, yeah. You you need a good set of matric results, and the the problem is that everyone applying to medicine has a good set of matric results. Exactly. Um, exactly. And usually, and I remember one of my math teachers telling me this, and I just found it so odd at the time, but it made sense or makes sense now. Is she said, you know, it's like you're a big fish in a little pond, which yeah. is true. We all were doing well at school, and then it comes to university, and you're in a class full of people just like you, where yeah. you were one. But anyway, yeah. um, so I made all the criteria needed but unfortunately after applying to all the medical schools in the country I wow. was uh, unsuccessful at all of them <laughs> wow. so I got quite used to saying um reading that we regret to inform you <laughs> yeah um, Dr. but luckily um the University of Pretoria has a uh, kind of, I wouldn't say it's a bridging course, but it's the BSc um, portion of the medical degree is yeah. the same um, for BSc Biological Sciences and the medical class. So yeah. what they do is um, at, if you're a BSc student, which I thankfully got in for, um, yeah. you do your BSc for six months and then you, they have a reselection process in June. But the stressful part of that is that you are in a class of many, many medical hopefuls, also yeah. the same A-type personalities, the same people who probably just didn't make the cut for medicine because of numbers. So it's quite tough. Um, but anyway, luckily, got through that. And then I joined you guys um, from from the July onwards. And that, that was what how my start of medicine is like. So I really fought hard to get in. It's very interesting because I don't remember you being in BSc. For as long as I can remember, you were part of us from the beginning. <laughs> so <laughs> for me, this part is quite new as well. I remember when you initially told me, I was like, really? I, I always thought Mishka was part of us the whole time. But I, I, I do hear that it's quite competitive and can be very stressful as well because the whole six months you're focused on doing so well that you get pre-selected or selected at the end of the six months because there are a lot of people that I think they have a, a limited space of 50 students, if I'm not mistaken. So it was 30 in the year that wow. we went and it was like a class of 300. So it was about 10%, wow. which is extremely stressful and especially jumping from university um, from school to now university yeah. Yeah. Um, and the reason I'm actually telling you this is not to say oh wow you know I was part of the 10% it's just that yeah yeah medicine takes a lot of sacrifice um, yeah and I know you have a lot of um, doctor hopefuls or people studying medicine or junior doctors and I'm sure they can all relate you probably didn't know me those six months because I like, had no friends I yeah. had my my res roommate, and um, that was it. I didn't really attend social things except for res things, really. Yeah. yeah. So in, in that case, what were your expectations when you were getting into medical school? 
Uh, we all have those. We all have those expectations. <laughs> yes, we do. And, and I think this is where your conversation is getting really real. And I'm I'm yeah. so glad that you're actually tackling these topics because it's very easy for us all to say, um, I love medicine, I love helping people. Um, mm. my job is tiring, but I love it. Where mm. in actual fact that's not the truth for most of the yeah. time. Yeah. So my expectations, I think, came from not my family because I don't have doctors in my immediate family. Okay. Um, my mom is a pharmacist in a government hospital. So that is the kind of um, channel that I saw medicine through. I'd okay. been to the hospital with her a few times and I'd kind of seen what went on. Um, and my dad is not in the medical field at all. Mm-hmm. So my expectations were from friends, um, parents or, you know, media yeah. or yeah. what I'd heard from friends of friends. And it was that it is such a rewarding job. It is Mm. such a, um, you do work hard. And there was this concept of calls, which in truthfully, I only understood um, probably in the student internship years completely. Um, I didn't really get the whole call thing and why it was such a big issue. Issue, yeah. (laughs) Because the people that I had known were parents, so they weren't really doing it anymore. Yeah. Um, they looked like they lived a comfortable life, um, looked like they sometimes missed out on family events, but it was kind of understood and they looked comfortable um, yeah. in terms of not overworked or not overtired. So those are the goggles which... I wore the love goggles, which I wore <laughs> getting getting into medicine. Hello. Hi. Hi. Sorry. Oh, what happened there? Don't have a clue. Sorry. No, it's okay. You can carry on. Um. Yeah, that's it. I wanted to say about that. <laughs> All right, then. Um, So you mentioned something about the media. Do you think what the media shows us in terms of what medicine is like? I mean, we've got shows like Grey's Anatomy, Dr. House, The Resident, where they sort of like sensationalize medicine. And I've had friends tell me, oh, my gosh, you're in such a cool profession. And, you know, your scrubs and your call rooms and, you know, it looks so exciting. Do you think the media captures the truth about medicine in any way? So I often, you know, think about this um, because the general answer that I hear from doctors is no, completely not. Whereas I feel a bit differently. Um, I didn't watch any medical programs um, when I was like growing up in actual fact I wanted to be in an actress that that was the the answer that I told everybody. that is very interesting <laughs> I want to be an actress and maybe that's where the the vlogging comes in but, yeah um I yeah so eventually I um grew up a little bit and you know realized I probably wasn't 
uh, that good at acting anyway. Um, <laughs> but, but um, yeah, going back to media, I think that these programs obviously stem from a truth. Okay. Um, but they are, they, it's television, it's meant to entertain. So I do think that they, they cherry pick the interesting cases or the the cases that are out of the blue, out of the norm, and um, elaborate on those. So in that setting, yes, we do see um, very interesting cases that you might see on house. But yeah. in terms of it not being true in our South African settings specifically, we don't have the time that house has to figure out the case. <laughs> yeah. Um, we we don't have the beautiful call rooms that you see on Grey's yes. Anatomy. Um, very... But something that I think is definitely true with Grey's is how the interns are treated. Um, yeah. Or I, I can't remember what their term is when they come in now. But yeah. in any case, yeah. So it's um, it's tough for junior doctors. Um, we are the bottom bottom of the food chain, the food chain. Um, <laughs> exactly exactly um and we we expected to know we expected to just do if some your consultants just jump you ask how high and mm. that human aspect um is not there when our seniors are talking to us a lot of the time and of course I'm generalizing a lot yeah um, but I'm also speaking from my experiences my university uh, where I did internship or where I'm doing comserve, um, but it might be a completely different experience for a male or somebody who's white or yeah. somebody who's a bit older or for whatever mm. reason or where they studied, etc. But um, yeah, so for me, media is not exactly true. Um, yeah. If you're going to base your medical ambitions and watch your life, yeah. yes, exactly. That is not for me true. Um, you shouldn't probably do that. Maybe come yeah. walk the corridors of Baragwan Hospital and you'll, <laughs> you and see what it's really like. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, Timmy, I'm interested to hear what what is your um take on it. For me, I am. Um, Medicine ruined all these medical shows for me. You should, you should see when I watch with my husband and he's so fascinated about this and this. And I'm like, no, that's wrong. Oh, no, they didn't do that. Oh, no. Like, you know, it just yeah. ruined everything for, for me. And it's almost like, did you guys even research at all before doing all these things? But you are right in saying that the aim is to entertain. And I'm looking at it from a more practical perspective because that's what I'm doing as opposed yes. to someone who has no background no knowledge and they're just like oh that is so cool but you are right in saying that unfortunately a lot of those aspiring to be in the medical field sort of um, they base what they're going to experience on what they've seen on tv Never mind that we're in completely two different worlds where in the States it's like a first world country and we're in South Africa where in the States you would have a patient and as soon as they get in, they have access to a CT scan. They have as uh, access to a Lodox machine. They've got fast, <laughs> and, you know, and you're looking at this and you're like, 
it takes me two months to get a CT scan for my patients. My hospital probably doesn't have a sonar. I mean, many of these hospitals we work in are basic, basic hospitals. Only the few that are fortunate to work in academic institutions can somewhat relate, even though it's still not at the same level. I think only in Cape Town will you find something that's similar to the United States. (laughs) But that is literally one province in the whole of South Africa. So I am very biased when it comes to these medical shows because I feel like it doesn't depict our truth. So I've never worked in the States and I don't know what it's like. But as a doctor in South Africa, I don't think it depicts fully what we experience. But that's just my take on it anyway. Um, that's interesting because you're so right. It's, if we have in South Africa, um, it might be more realistic. And I think it would have a different entertainment factor. Exactly. Um, exactly. South Africans... South Africans do seem to have a bit of a dark humor to deal with all yeah. of the atrocities yeah. that we're going through <laughs> all the time. Very true. Very um, true. So, yeah, but um, to me, while we actually on that topic, I had the privilege of going to Ireland at the end of last year. And okay. I met up with a South African qualified, she's a South African doctor qualified here and everything um, okay. as an emergency medicine consultant. Okay. She was working in a hospital just outside uh, Dublin and it was uh, not rural, it was probably like a, a secondary hospital. Okay. And it was very interesting for me to see that yes, this this hospital aesthetically looked appealing and, mm. and they, they seemed to be resources. But what was interesting that this doctor told me is that, yes, you can have the resources, but we still have problems of beds. We still wow. have a waiting time of six hours, Shucks. which is we can really um, liken to here. Yeah. So I don't actually know if in the U.S., if it is every hospital really is like um in grace or house if anyone is working in the united states and would love to give their input please feel free to contact me (laughs) i would love to hear your side of the story so let's just put that out there so would i i think most people would (laughs) yeah so you actually touched on some topics that i feel a lot of people get uncomfortable talking about when you spoke about how you narrating your experiences might be different to how a male might experience it or someone that's white. Do you want to elaborate on that? It's, it's a bit of a touchy area, but I think I kind of understand where you're coming from as um, a black South African doctor who is female, and you being an Indian South African doctor as well, it would be very interesting to hear your your experiences. So, you know, to me, the the thing is with us having these conversations, even if you have it at work, you do become the unpopular person in the group. Sure. Because medicine is a place that often you deal with the mess because you know that there is light at the end of the tunnel and you Mm -hmm. can move on and live your life and kind of get out of medicine what you want. Yeah. Um, And it is so easy to forget. But even apart from that, 
there are very strong established um archaic systems that mm. that are in play still today and to go against those systems means sometimes to go against the consultant who is signing you off to mm-hmm. complete that rotation mm-hmm. to go against the consultant who's going to be grading you to be a specialist mm-hmm. so it it is a bit uh, scary and daunting to take up these topics um talk about them and take them further but for me and maybe i'm naive uh, you know sometimes yeah. i question myself and i think maybe i'm too young in this um this field and maybe i should quieten my voice sometimes because yeah. i don't know where i will be trading and where my career is going to take me at this stage but the other part of me feels that i can't hide my truth yeah um, i feel that you know it's interesting that doctors all actually anybody who goes into a medical field wants to go in there to help people and mm. often enough before you even start fully practicing you have hurt your colleagues and yeah. you have you are starting off a career broken already um so going back to the race issue and um also the gender issue i definitely think it's more prominent in certain universities um mm-hmm. from what i hear obviously um but i can vividly remember in i was oh, i don't know if i was maybe fifth year fourth year and yeah. i remember we were on a war ground um it was our group of students with a consultant or registrar um who was a black female and in okay. our group it was me and it was a few students and there was uh, incidentally this female was also a bit short and petite okay. and we had a tall black a uh, tall white male um in the the room as well so okay. as we approached the patient um the patient immediately looked to the student the white male student and not to the female um black consultant or registrar and wow. that that really it stuck with me and it wasn't um done maliciously or mm. anything like that um quite if i can remember correctly that patient was a black patient as well um yes. so i think the the racism issue is not always overt it's not always malicious it is the way um things have been for so long and um <clears throat> how lots of media and um everything with that it's that it's how it comes across look at gray's anatomy how what is the ratio of white to non white doctors um, yeah so so that definitely is a problem and another issue that i face personally is and i don't i think this maybe falls with the female and the non white aspect when the yeah. lecturer after a lecture the person in front of me was a white male speaking to the lecturer who is also a white male having a fat chat I am patiently waiting in the line to ask my question. Mm. When I got to the doctor, I was kind of dismissed with a 
half-assed answer. Yeah. And it really affected me because I was coming to him as my senior for help. Ask a question. Um, yeah. Exactly. So it, those those were my experiences. And um, what is nice to see is that now, well, when we were studying, I can speak for then, um, the the face of medicine at the University of Pretoria was changing and it was yeah. inspiring, it was motivating um, and it gives you a different point of view. And mm-hmm. also what is so important is that if you know the culture of the patient you are um, treating, you give better treatment at the end very of the true. day. Very true. It's very interesting what you say about the whole um, racial issues. And I think it sort of has to do with our university as well, because I experienced it numerous times. Being in our subgroup, I was the only black girl. Yes, our group was quite diverse, but there was always a predilection for the white males. Like when a question is asked, even if you put your hand up, you're sort of like invisible. And then they'll (laughs) pass over you to somebody else who wasn't probably even paying attention. But because of their physical appearance, the color of their skin, their gender, they sort of get preference. And you're so right. What you described earlier about getting a, a white male, getting more out of a lecturer than random you just coming through and being like, oh, by the way, I have a question. You get sort of like a brisk, dismissive answer. Like, I just want to get this over and done with. Whereas other people get like in-depth explanations and they go into details where you could have benefited from that as well. So it's, it's a big problem when it comes to the medical field. And you're so right when you say it's an archaic system that is very stubborn to like disappear. It's been there and it's difficult to change. That is why I started having conversations like this to open the eyes of people and make them see either what they're doing to other people or what other people are experiencing. Yeah. So that's very true. And I'm so glad that you did that because starting a conversation and you don't have to change your mindset, but you need to get that question mark there. Mm -hmm. I think that that is the key um, to starting off something. Um, The other thing I wanted to add is me being an Indian female um, also comes with definite uh, stereotypes and discrimination and all of that. There is a common stereotype that Indian females will get married and stay at home and look after children. <laughs> oh my um, goodness. You're going, you're going there, huh? <laughs> I'm going there. Because it's, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Marriage is um, a very important and high ranked part of Indian culture. And I have no problem with that. Yeah. Um, but for me, I am a multi-dimensional person. And yeah. for me personally, I um, would like to still continue with medicine um, in some form or another. So, I mean, 
I, I can see, sometimes you can see the racism is not overt, but it's you are not regarded as equal because of your potential future of quitting yeah. um, or leaving. <laughs> so <Yeah>, babies. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So um, it's, it's tough all around. And I don't think that the racism is only... Um, favoring white individuals um i think that it can be in all ways or different um forms but i do think what we are used to in south africa um is a white um medical system yeah Um, the other interesting thing to me and i know i'm going a little bit back and forth now um but it's just coming to me and i think it's, it's interesting to share I was washing up, um, scrubbing in the one day um, okay. for theatre. And I don't, you're quite tall, um, so you might not have this problem. <laughs> but <laughs> if, I'm sure the shorties would, can understand that when you try to scrub up, it's a little bit difficult and it's a mess yeah. if you're yeah. short. Yeah. And it occurred to me that it's because those basins and the height oh, was made for males. So true. That is so Everything true. Everything has been made for males. And it's it's shocking. Um, so actually, true. If you, you pick it up. Shelves are higher. Like They don't take into account that, yes, females could have been part of the medical profession. Wow. Um, and it, it is wow. When it, when it actually sinks in, it's, it, it changes your mindset. Um, mm. And it, it can evoke a lot of anger. Yeah. <laughs> but... It's, you know what, it is what it is, it, or it is what it was. Yeah. Um, and I think us having these conversations and us just practicing good medicine, yeah. um, just doing our job is changing well. a lot yeah. of, exactly, in itself is changing mindsets. And yeah, basically that's it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually never thought about that. I, yes, I'm quite tall, but I also still struggle as com- uh, compared to <laughs> my male counterparts. So when I'm coming and I'm trying to like hold my hands up, you've got water dripping all the way to my armpit. <laughs> and you're yes, like, what, exactly. is <laughs> what is this? That is so true. But yeah, moving forward in the conversation, there is another topic of contention where I would like us to discuss because it's something I am passionate about considering what I have decided I want out of medicine. And that's the issue about specialization. So now there is the conception out there that the medical path goes this way. Medical school, internship, come serve, um, get a reg post, specialize, and you're consultant, and that's it. That's the peak of your career. And getting into internship and you know, the practical aspect of medicine and seeing what what actually goes on behind the scenes. I have personally come to the conclusion that I do not want to specialize. At least that's where I'm at now. Um, And that has been met with a lot, a whole lot of contention with friends and families. And you get questions. The one that it's sort of it. I'm trying to be so civil right now. 
it makes me so angry is when they say, what a waste. And it got me thinking, so if I don't specialize, I'm a waste of a doctor. Where did this come from? Where did it stem from? How did this become the perception that people have about medicine? So I actually want us to talk about it. What do you think? And I made it an open-ended question because I want you to be free and share with us your thoughts when it comes to specialization in medicine. Okay. So to, to start off to me, I just want to say that well done for saying I don't want to specialize and for yeah. saying it so proudly, so loud yeah. and proud, because as you said, it is something that is expected almost, because yeah. once you get into med school, the question that you're faced with from third year, second year is, oh, so what do you want to specialize in? Yep. For us, who basically are just <laughs> where the heart is, we yeah. don't know anything. Um, and, and we are bombarded with that um, thought and those expectations, often not our mm. own. Um, I think they are very external. Yeah. And I'm sure that or it is an extremely brave thing for you to say because I know for a fact that you are very academic. Yeah. You come from an academic yeah. family and your friends are also extremely yeah. academic. So you saying that is so brave and just Thank so you. wonderful to me. So like, I, I really hope that you, you actually realize the gravity of you making yeah. that decision. Um, I... I also tend to agree with you. I feel that it has been looked on and actually is is looked on as yeah, you don't you don't specialize. It kind of means that you don't have mm. drive, you don't um want to mm. work hard, you want a chilled GP mm. life and honestly GPs nowadays um are not getting they're getting a yeah. bad rep. Yeah. It's it's not looking good for them. And it's it's very sad because if I look at my own GP mm. back home, he he's amazing. He is truly amazing. Um he's an incredible doctor and he keeps on top of things. And I don't think there's anything wrong with mm. being a GP. Um quite frankly, the system has and I think most interns and comms feel like this, that it it mm. drains you, it sucks everything mm. from you. And to the thought of having to go through another five years of, it, it can almost feel yep. like torture a lot yep. of the time for a goal that you're almost questioning all the time because you have to give up yep. so much for a career mm. goal. Um, it's it's you have to really want it, and I do think that this concept that doctor equals specialist is it it really needs to change, be questioned, and change. Um, if I can just take this moment for any junior doctor or medical student listening, you can be 
anything you want to be and that includes yep. a gp you don't have to Amen. specialize Tell um, them. you don't <laughs> you you <laughs> I, I honestly to me I feel like somebody yeah. told me this and told yeah. us this and um made it made you feel okay that it's fine to want to make mm. a difference in a family's mm. life year in mm. and year out you don't have to be doing heart surgery to be True. making a difference um for me the appeal of not specializing is that I um get to build better relationships with my patients that are more long sure. lasting i can get a better work life balance and at the end of the day what mm. is life um life is is it's a very loaded yeah. question actually yeah. but um it's it's if you enjoy medicine and there are lots of people um that make medicine yeah. in their life and i am not I am one not of those either. people um i don't know I'm not. <laughs> i don't know if that is fortunate unfortunate <laughs> um but i don't think it makes us yeah. bad doctors it i think gives us almost a step in the mm. real world and a step in mm. the medical world um and combining that is is can you can really create yeah. art with yeah. that actually um one consultant told me uh, last year I was speaking to her and she asked me Oh, okay so you know what do you want to specialize in and and then she added but you know what it's also okay if you want to jump off the hamster mm-hmm. wheel and that was the first Somebody time said. that a yeah. senior doctor had acknowledged that yes a gp yeah. is a doctor a gp is somebody that still treats people still yeah. saves lives so yeah so okay. no carry yeah, on. sorry Um so specialization is we need yes yes I agree and I'm sure that we may even change exactly. our minds and that is okay yeah. as well but as of now when we are just finishing off our community service trained and where we want to live a little bit um I don't think there's anything wrong with us not wanting to study further and that does not mean that we are not going to keep a breast of everything medicine related. so for me when i actually made that decision right to not specialize like you like you said earlier i am quite an academic person i'm that person that till now i still read journal at articles on medscape like just to know what's going on outside of south africa and what's the new treatment in this you know area and all that So I started researching into what medicine has to offer, right? And I realized that there is so much out there. So so much out there that we have sort of narrowed our minds to think oh so it's straight out of comserve get a reg post specialize and that's it. I mean, you've got aesthetic medicine, you've got um acute medicine which is a course that's offered by the University of Wales where you can do a diploma and a master's degree in acute medicine and you get to practice as an ER doctor not necessarily going through the gruesome 5 years of studying and being subject to someone's abuse and being a source of someone's you know many people that I've seen that are specializing I haven't I think the only registrars that I've seen that are happy are the urologists 
they're the only ones. When you speak to cardiology regis, they are always tired. And besides the physical tiredness, there's the emotional one as well, where your consultant always makes you feel less than a human, you know? And you said something earlier that you don't think you're the person that cannot live your truth. And it's the same for me. What I have seen or what um, the academic institutions have depicted to us is that you sort of have to dehumanize yourself and be the professor's puppet to be passed for the first year, second year, third year, fourth year, pretty much, excuse my language, kissing butts to get what you want. And I came to the realization that that's not what I want. I am currently an emergency medicine doctor in my hospital, and I absolutely love it. I get to spend time with my patients. I get to, you know, think quick on my feet. I get to practice what I uh, read. I get to interact with patients and sometimes follow them up because I'm in a level one hospital. So when I refer patients out, they come back to me and I get to see their progress. That is what I want out out of medicine. And After that, I get to go home on a weekend that I'm not on call, be with my friends, spend time with my husband, spend time with my parents. That for me is what I define life as. I love medicine so much, like you will not believe. But at the same time, I don't love it to the point where I'll allow it to steal from me the things that I truly cherish. And that is where my decision comes from. That being said, like you said earlier, there are some people that for them, that goal of specializing is the ultimate. That's what they want. And to that, I say, go for it. For as long as you've done a thorough introspection and you're not feeling pressured by society, by family, by friends who actually have no idea what you go through on a daily basis. Because with our families, they like to think of us as heroes. And that makes it difficult sometimes to come home and break down and cry after you've lost the patient because you're supposed to be the strong one. Now, what must I do with you when you're crying now? You know, it's sort of that thing (laughs) that people have at the back of their minds. So a lot of us doctors are walking around with so much emotional baggage that we almost do not have people to share it with. And that's why you see a lot of doctors have some really, really dark sense of humor because it's the only way we can cope with it. So yeah, it's it's a very big topic and I can go on and on because it's something I'm passionate about. And I'm not saying, I never say never, but at this point I'm in right now, I don't see myself specializing, at least not under these circumstances that my seniors and some of my colleagues are going through right now. To me, I don't know if you heard me while you were talking, but I was just like giggling in the background (laughs) and just I think it was that dark humor coming through because a lot of what you said, it's just like, oh, my goodness, I can relate or oh, my goodness, that is exactly how I feel. You just put it so well. Um, It's it's I really agree with everything you said. And I think maybe I just want to add because. I think I've made it sound like specialization is not yeah. a good thing, but there are amazing, amazing doctors in South mm. Africa um, who really, you can see, made medicine their mm. lives. And to those doctors, 
they are making huge changes. They are inspiring so many people. And as you said, if somebody wants that, they need to yeah. go for it because those are the doctors who are writing those journals. Exactly, that I read. And, um, <laughs> exactly. Um, so, so specialization is, I think, completely up to yeah. you. And when you start to realize that it is in your hands, um, it's your life becomes a little bit scary in a way, but also freeing in another Very way. true, very true. And just to sort of like wind down at this point, we've you've made some really good points for us. Thank you so much, Mishka. I just want you to take the listeners through a typical day as a doctor. And I want you to sort of tie this in with the concept of burnout. So a lot of people, burnout is that word that we throw out there. And some people know what it means, others don't. So just take us through a day in the life of a doctor from your perspective and tie that in with burnout. So I think that it's very specific to where you're working. And I luckily have had experience of working at university or being a student in the University of Pretoria circuit and then getting exposed as an intern to the University of Cape Town circuit. So it's it's different. Um, As I alluded to earlier as well, where you study definitely it, it, shapes I think the way you look at medicine more than anything so um, burnout if I can start with that burnout is something that I think every doctor goes through at some point or another Um, some doctors don't um, kind of accept it and um, just push through it and some doctors, it really affects very, very badly. Yeah. So from personal experience, I have had burnout. And unfortunately, it was coming on a long time and just during my internship years. Um, and the problem about our medical system is that if one doctor is missing, you really do feel yeah. the load. And then the other thing is, if you need to sign off logbooks, you can't be booked off yeah. for a month, which is essentially what somebody with burnout yeah. needs. You need that time to recuperate. Yeah. And often burnout is a very almost or considered to be a very fluffy kind of word where in actual fact, it's a real, real um, condition. Mm. It's it's a group um of symptoms really and the emotional impact is definitely there but so is the physical Mm. impact Um, and it is very difficult to cope in a system where so many of your colleagues are burnt out Mm. as well Um, and so many of your colleagues are not given time Mm. off to go through that and learn and learn about themselves and better coping mechanisms and all of that. So a day as a doctor, um, I, it takes me, when I think about that, it often, I often remember as a student. So at the university of Pretoria, and I don't know if this is the same now, 
But certain departments expected their students and their interns occasionally um, to see all the mm -hmm. patients at a tertiary level institution um, before the registrar arrives at work. So let's just remember that a registrar is somebody who has a job which works usually normal jobs are like eight to four or seven thirty, whatever. So that is the time that the registrar comes. If you have a ward of 30, 40 patients with students who are not very fast, I mean, we're still learning, yeah. um, don't know a lot and are usually very thorough because of the fear of missing uh, something being humiliated on the ward yeah. and missing something exactly um and being graded accordingly yeah. it 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 means that you're going to take long and seeing 40 patients among a few students is going to take long which also then translates to students having to go to university to the hospital at 5 a.m yep. every yep. day for a rotation and i know you've been through yep. that too and it's not to say that it's in every department, thank God, no. But um, it's definitely there in some of the departments. Um, the people who were actually paid to be there were paid were there for the time they were yeah. paid there, while the students who were learning had to consider it as a learning experience um, exercise. Yeah. So um, please bear that in mind, junior doctors or um, students that that may happen and that may be your first experiences as a doctor but the good news is that that is not always true when you um get the mbch yeah so um typical day as a doctor you would start in your ward rounds you'd start with your ward rounds see your patients um what is nice is that sometimes there'll be a handover mm -hmm. ward round so um, you would have your intake from the night before. And to me, please tell me if I'm going into no, too no, much detail because I know a lot of our <laughs> okay, um, a lot of our listeners are probably Dr. Yeah. Ravi. Um, so, so I've now had experience in rural where we don't really have consultant ward rounds and that, those kind of luxuries, mm -hmm. which... Um, as a junior doctor, is a little bit stressful because you have to put everything together. Yeah. But the challenge is mm. exciting. So you see your patients um, and um, check them out. And unfortunately, if you are, again, working in a district hospital, that ward round may be interrupted a few times by you having to go assist for a cesarean yeah. section or to assist with something else yeah. in theater. So... Um, the unpredictability of the workday, um, some find very exciting. But for me, I don't particularly enjoy that yeah. part of it. Um, I like to know how my day is going to go. Um, and then important things to to note, which I didn't know as, as a uh, pre-medical human um i doctors don't take lunch yeah. breaks um i'm sorry to burst oh, the bubble it's the worst thing ever it's it is to me and it's 
it's you know it sounds like a frivolous thing that we're talking about now but it is something that actually adds value you don't to even day pee. And it is something that you don't get to pee <laughs> like literally you don't get to pee you have to have a bladder of of steel to last you through the day it's ridiculous and it is so true it's not an exaggeration it's so <laughs> true um and and that dehumanized factor that you're talking about earlier is there. We we almost are forced to be these people that don't have needs other than our yeah. patients' needs in the day, which is it's it's frustrating yeah. to me, very frustrating because you come from med school where med school you students, so you kind of have to have a yeah. lunch break and you you have to finish at yeah. four o'clock. But a doctor's life is not mm-hmm. like that, and that often takes away from your uh, your home life and your social life because there are lots of times when you finish your ward on for the day but emergencies crop up and um, unfortunately you can't always hand over to the on-call team because one day you are going to be that on-call yeah. person and just kind of hope that your colleague had got it yeah. sorted out um, so it's it's tough there's tea breaks I didn't even mention because that is like non-existent at all. At all. Non-existent. Um, and, I, and I was saying earlier that I am looking through medicine um, almost a bit through my mom's um, work experience. And because she forms part of Allied Health, um, they are all Allied Health. Actually, all other health fields except for doctors, they have their scheduled yeah. tea breaks. They have their scheduled yeah. lunch breaks. And when it's four o'clock, it is time mm-hmm. to go. And that is almost kind of one of my other expectations that I had is that, okay, um, I'm, I can look after myself during the day and I can nourish <laughs> myself and get myself energy. So <laughs> jokes. <laughs> it was it, exactly jokes. jokes. Um, it was, it was frustrating to me in internship. Um, and you know what? Having said that, in internship, I I did my internship at a hospital that was very aware of looking after the junior Mm. doctors and very aware of doctors going home post-call at a reasonable Mm. time. But the nature of medicine is that you can't change that. So let's talk about, like, if say that was your typical day, finishing at four, um... Sometimes, if you're a nice person, you help out your mm-hmm. colleagues so that everybody at the same time, the same yeah. time. And that again is unpredictable. Um, I've been in departments where we were forced to all stay around um, because it's kind of not nice to let one person be there when, in actual fact, we could have all gone. So it's very department specific mm. as well. Um, and then if you're on call, Oh, it's terrible. And those calls, you feel so sorry for yourself, really. <laughs> you um, question every life decision you made up until that point. <laughs> completely. And to me, what time does it happen for you? Is it Sorry? What time of your call about? Does that's that around, that's around 2 to 3 a.m. Somewhere between, actually 2 to 4. Exactly. 2 to 4. You, you haven't got any sleep. You've been called in maternity like 15 times. Uh, you've had to, you know, you've had like four emergencies. Oh, and 
being in a district hospital, you're the only doctor on call. So you have nobody to bounce your ideas around. I always joke and I say, I bounce my ideas off Jesus and the Holy Spirit because there's nobody else to talk to. It's ridiculous. Um, and you like quarter to crying because you haven't had any sleep. Your eyes are so gritty. It feels like they sand in your eyes. And you're still expected to smile. And if you snap yeah. at a patient, yeah. uh, you get reported and you might get a court case against you. And, you know, you're still expected to give the best of yourself. And then the sun comes up and you have like a little bit of hope. Okay, the call is over. But no, it isn't. You still have to do your ward round and see patients. And God help you if... It's not a full ward because then you will be leaving at around two or three, even though you haven't slept the whole night. And mind you, some of us are married. Some have kids. Some have families to go to. Some have boyfriends. Some have, you know, other responsibilities out of medicine. And when you get out of the hospital, you must also still be a good wife. You must still be a good friend. When your friend calls you and she's having a bad day, she expects you to listen. All of that is what I hate about being on call, in summary. <laughs> I, can, I can just say ditto to that, honestly. <laughs> I have experienced all of it. Um, and for me, it's just not eating yes. at a normal time. Not sleeping. Oh. Um, I think a lot of what well, we have learned that having poor sleeping patterns mm -hmm. at a young age predisposes you to things like dementia. Exactly. Um, exactly. So uh, dementia is now an occupational hazard for us. <laughs> um, and yes, in ComServe, as you're saying, you kind of get more of a reality check because nobody's there to look after your needs yeah. anymore. And you are the mm -hmm. doctor. And at night, um, where you are in rural, there might not be internet. So you cannot use EM yeah. Guidance or yeah. Google or yeah. whatever. So you have to push through. Um, and the next morning, do everything with a mm. smile. Um, it's It's really one of the things that I don't like is this dehumanized factor and how we have to work like robots and how we have to always put our needs um be behind the back door after yeah. everybody's yeah. yeah you're so yeah. right you're um, so right and I, I i don't know if it is exactly what we signed up for i, I don't know i honestly I, don't think we knew what we were signing for so <laughs> i'm just going by my personal experience i don't it, I don't know. I, I can't really say. <laughs> I can't really say this is what I signed up for. But you know, funny thing is, a lot of my friends and family throw that at me and say, "Well, this is what you signed up for." And then you think to yourself, "But is it? Is it really?" You know. Um, but I, I must say, <laughs> I must say, all that being said, so as you go through medicine, you sort of devise ways to make your life as easy as possible, right? So for me, so I've once passed out in theater where, yeah, literally like gone, like I was scrubbed in and the last thing I remember was feeling hot and cold at the same time. And next thing I was on the floor. 
And that was because I woke up, I was in one of those rotations where you had to see your patients before half past seven in the morning. And it's a ward where you have at least on a good day, you have 24 patients. So we had been up since half past four, I think it was. Couldn't eat breakfast because I can't eat breakfast that early or I have a runny tummy the whole day. So I didn't eat breakfast. Finished the ward round, presented and all that. And then it was time to go to theater. And in between this, I, I, I couldn't eat. I could not eat. And I could feel myself literally shaking on my way as I was scrubbing. But I was like, no, you have to power through this. I mean, it's going to be done now, now. And I scrubbed in. And for those who are familiar with theater lights, those things are so hot, right? And were scrubbed yeah. in and you have these robes on and it's like you're literally cooking yourself your temperature rises and your metabolic demand is increased and there's zero glucose in your system to feel this change and you just pass out that was the last thing I remember thank god for my friend Dylan who was there and it literally, it literally just stuffed sweets in my mouth it was that it was terrible. Bad. I mean, that is honestly it was, a terrible. It was a experience. horrible, horrible experience. So now I know myself. I have started forcing oh, and I got ulcers from medicine as well. Because when you don't eat, your stomach starts digesting <laughs> itself because I mean it must life must go on. So I got I still deal with ulcers because of medicine, which thankfully are well controlled now. And now I know myself and my house is full of snacks and healthy ones because you also realize that since you can't nourish yourself properly, you end up eating a lot of junk food and then you deal with weight gain and then you get depressed because this isn't the you that got into, you know, um, that got in as an intern and the scale keeps telling you lies. (laughs) And, you know, it's... So messed up. So I have now known myself and I pack like fruit rolls and um, snack bars and I stuff this in my bag. And sometimes as soon as I finished examining my patient and I'm going to write my notes, I sit there and I eat my bars and I drink my juice because that's the only lunch I'm going to get. It's really sad and it's really, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult to think about it, but that is what it is. So you have to devise what works for you. Otherwise, you're going to end up hating a potentially good profession. Because I, I always say, I don't, I don't see myself in any other profession, to be honest. This is it. So I have to take care of myself to get the best out of it. Yeah, definitely. And, you, you know, to me, I think it would be important and it would be, again, not living our truth if we didn't talk about these almost awkward physical things that we have yeah. to go through. And for me, it's only been catching up this year and actually very recently. So I'm so glad you mm. brought it up. It's the yes. Like, I have been struggling with extreme yeah. heartburn and um, reflux and I... I it's this week and I realized it's because I was on call on mm. Monday eating my dinner at 10 p.m. Mm. Um, eating erratically and not getting in fluid and then 
um, going to the bathroom is a problem if you're eating at yes. odd hours. And then you have back pain, yes. which is on another yeah. level because our job is actually yeah. physical. Um, I remember after my first call as an intern, my first 24-hour call, my feet oh, it's were the in agony. <laughs> it's the worst. I... I wore flip-flops to... Luckily, I was in Cape Town, so things are a little bit more yeah. chilled there. So I, I wore flip-flops to work for the next two days because I could not handle yeah. that pain. Yeah. It's, 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 um, really, it's really terrible. So it is. And I think those are important things yeah, to know yeah. when you're getting into yeah, the deal. Very important. Like, just, just take care of yourself. That's, that would be my advice to anyone getting into medicine. Take care of yourself. And so with regards to the, to the uh, painful feet, actually a friend of mine blessed me with a foot spa, which I do oh. like oh. every two weeks. Just soak your feet in there because those are the feet that carry you through those 24, 30, 36 hour calls. You need to take care of them and treat yourself and, Find time to pull away from medicine and just be you, be a person. Just just be a person, not a doctor, not like you're just a person. Just converting oxygen to carbon dioxide and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, in closing, I, I think we've said a lot in terms of advice, but is there any specific advice that you would give to someone planning to get into medicine or those that are already there, or those that, as they're listening to us right now, a lot of things are resonating with them, and they're like, that's me, that's me, that's me. What advice would you give to someone in this profession or looking to get into this profession? So I think the bottom line is do your research. Um, And I wouldn't say... Let's put it this way. Do your research from different levels. So speak to interns, speak to comserves, speak to your regs or your consultants <laughs> at different levels because everybody has a different outlook on yeah. medicine depending on where yeah. they are. Um, and, and in this day and age, it's so easy to reach out to yeah. anybody um, who is a doctor. I think in that way, the medical field is quite mm-hmm. nice is that you don't nobody really minds if you ask them, oh, so what is this hospital yeah. like? Or, you know, what is your life like? So do your research and learn, hear about the bad things about mm-hmm. medicine. I think if you can learn to live with those, then yeah. you'll be fine. Um, it's not always nice to go through, but if you have at the back of your mind a goal or something just keeping you through and, um, you know, just your end of the day, what you want to achieve, um, whether that's helping somebody, whether that's academic goals or whatever it is, um, bear that in mind. And then lastly, if you want to be rich, medicine is not I the job for you. I keep saying that. People don't believe me. It's, it's um, another big misconception um, that I think, if, if we had to look at it from the mm. outside, most interns in other fields don't earn as much as medical True. interns do. That I True. agree with. But 
if we look at the amount of mm. hours, the health yeah. risks, um, all of that, the pressure and the stress responsibility, um, they cannot they cannot ever at all. Our our hourly rate is actually very yeah. very low. So, um, if medicine do not do it for the money, I was given that advice and. I appreciate it because it, I still feel yeah. today. It's it's not why I will pursue any further specialization or anything like that because it will never yeah. be enough. Very true. But thank you so much, Mishka. You have said a mouthful and it's been quite an enlightening talk, you know, talking with you and talking to someone in the field that is experiencing all of these things. It's also good for me because... I get to see that I'm not alone <laughs> and I'm sure that's the case for a lot of people out there that will be listening to this. So thank you so much for gracing us with your presence. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. To me, thank you so much for having me. That, honestly, I, it has felt so cathartic for me as well because everybody at home is tired of hearing yeah. me complain. So um, hearing me complain in a nice way to a friend who's also a doctor is, is a very nice thing for me. It feels like we've just had yeah. a chat. A chat. <laughs> um, so, so thank you so much and really good job um, with this podcast. I really hope that um, your following grows and grows because you have a lot of interesting Thank you so there. much. Thanks, Mishka. And that's all we have time for this week. Be sure to tune in next week for yet another exciting episode. Until then, God bless.